Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. His name was Terry Chambers, District Attorney in Marlin, Ohio. Poisoned out of nowhere in his driveway this morning. Or sneaking his coffee? No, he hadn't eaten anything in eight hours, and there were no visible track marks. Cause of death, muscle paralysis, and lungs collapsed, and heart attack. That's why I'm sending you and Pete. Where is Pete, by the way? That is really physical. Oh, God, no. Is it time for those? Yeah, when you hit over 50, and the real fun begins. <laughs> this is Doug with the episode credits for Season 4, Episode 17, What Matters Most. Guest cast, Cynthia Wachos as Janice, Chris Ellis as Colonel Cassell, and Josh Balak as Nick Powell. Created by Brent Moat and Jane Espenson. Written by Diego Gutierrez, Michael Jones-Morales, and John Paul Nickel. Directed by Chris Fisher. Original air date, June 17, 2013. Oh my God, you had your physical this morning. Is everything okay? Yeah, no, no, nothing. No, no news. Then why, why are you speeding up? Okay, Mike's... The doctor may have said that my testosterone is a little low. Oh, well, that means... Well, you know, he he said it was no big deal. Oh. You know? But then I read online that it could cause infertility, loss of sex drive, and ED. And now the episode quick cap. Season 4, episode 17, What Matters Most. Pete and Micah go to Ohio to investigate the suspicious death of a district attorney in a gated community. After some investigation and a few more incidents, they determine that whatever this artifact is, it seems to be punishing people for past and present crimes, both legal and moral. They also establish after Pete is injured that confessing to the crime saves the life of the victim. The trail leads to Janice, the nosy neighbor. She is using salt from the Sodom and Gomorrah salt mask in her cookies to punish her neighbors for refusing her request to build a bust of her late husband, the founder of the community, in the community center. Steve opts to stay behind to help Abigail flush the goo annex, so Claudia and Artie head to New York to investigate a homeless kid, Nick, who suddenly went into a trance and wrote confusing formulas all over the walls. The trance then brought on a seizure. They have to figure out what is causing this before the seizure kills Nick. They are able to trace the culprit to a financial company and a man using Orville Wright's goggles to hack into Nick's brain power. Artie is able to bag the goggles and Nick is free. Claudia, feeling a bond with Nick's situation, asks him to come and stay with them at the B&B until they could figure out what he wants to do with his life. After arriving at the B&B, Nick texts, They believe me, I'm in. Steve gets doused with goo while cleaning the annex, but the time spent with Abigail gives him an opportunity to talk about his realization that his life is now only the warehouse. This was also the time of the year for the warehouse agent's annual physicals. Pete learns that he has low testosterone, which makes him behave in an overly macho way during the episode. Micah receives more serious news. The doctor believes that she has cancer. Hey, so Steve-o, how'd your physical go? Turns out I'm gay. Hi, we're back with Season 4, Episode 17, What Matters Most. The Artifacts of the Week, Sodom and Gomorrah's Salt Mask, created when God brought down his wrath on the notoriously sinful cities. Sodom was raised for its sins. It was buried by a windstorm in the salt dunes that made it so wealthy. The salt, Pete. Pete, what what if the handful of artifacts that were created by the windstorm weren't the, the objects that the salt covered, but, but the salt itself? What if it's imbued with some sort of power? A person was encased in salt, 
leaving behind this impression in the shape of their face. Whenever someone consumes salt from the mask, they receive an ironic and usually fatal punishment based on their greatest unconfessed sin. The only way of stopping the effect is to confess the sin for which they are being punished. The only thing that will work is a confession, all right? And Normal rights aviator goggles. I'm right. They belong to less talented of the Wright brothers who imbued them with the ability to steal other people's brain power. You're killing a young boy by wearing them. When in use, the person whose brain is being tapped goes into a trance wherein they are made to mirror the user's actions and can see through the user's eyes. The downside is that the more this is done, the more strain it puts on the brain of the person the user is tapping into, causing increasingly severe seizures and the victim's eventual death. Links to artifact descriptions from Warehouse Wiki can be found on our website. The doctor will see you now, Miss Barry. Come back so we can run a few tests, but in my experience... Micah. Micah. Did you hear what I said? I said we could be looking at ovarian cancer. I think we should discuss treatment options, Micah. Steve gets a trunk from home, and it kind of makes him realize that his entire life is now just the warehouse. So he decides to stay behind to talk to Abigail, who does say that she's there for all of them, not just Artie. Right. I don't know. I I guess it was a combination of saying goodbye to my ex all over again, and then the trunk arriving. It suddenly occurred to me that literally my entire life is here now. I'm, I'm finally completely settled here permanently, like, like, like Pete and Micah and Claudia. And that's a bad thing? No, they say you get to share your warehouse life with one very important person. And none of them have found anybody, and I'm about ten times more shy than they are. I mean, I gotta think about this. I mean, is this the kind of thing that I want for a guy like me? We originally thought they hired her for Artie. You said you were worried about not having someone to share your life with. Now it seems to me like you might have four special, unique someones. And for now, they might be your one. And it might be time for you to share a little more of yourself with them. Which can be scary. Artie said you were good. (laughs) And I think you originally thought she wasn't going to be here for a while. And I don't know if you put that in my head. You know, sometimes people tell you things and after a while you don't remember if it's real or if you're making it up because somebody told you. Yeah. uh (laughs) So since you said that, I'm kind of thinking, and I could be totally wrong, that she isn't going to be there long. But I don't remember. And I don't know if I'm thinking that because you brought it up or if I actually remember. But we'll see, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but we do get some of Abigail's story. But I'm yeah. sure there's more to it. Yeah. Because we don't know who this someone is that she's talking about. Two years ago, I had a patient who uh, I couldn't help him. I guess I was afraid that it would happen again. So I quit and went traveling. Just... Me and my camera. Another observational tool to hide behind. Physician, know thyself, right? Pete and Micah have to go to one of those gated communities that always looks like the Stepford Wives. Oh, yeah, and the Stephen King novel. Yeah. Jeez, this place looks like a 50s TV show. And Pete is way overcompensating for his low testosterone. Poor Pete. The colonel's the first victim to understand why what's happening to him is happening to him. Right, Like, he can identify what's happening and what it's about. The other Mm -hmm. two, like the guy who was getting his mail, they figure out later that 
He had all the components of a lethal injection in his system. Although he wouldn't realize that. How would he know that? Because he doesn't know what it feels like to get a lethal injection. So he wouldn't know that. And the second guy was lit on fire. And, you know, that happened so quickly that I don't think he would understand why that was happening to him. Do we know why that was happening to him? Yeah, because he burned his apartment down. Or they think he did for the insurance money. Oh. But this guy, because of all the orange dust coming out of him and because he was able to talk, was able to figure out that this was relevant to what he did in the war. Yes, to save them. Right. And he's able to tell Pete and Mike what he did. Mm-hmm. So even though he went to the hospital, he comes back better later. And he's the yeah. only one. And Pete, who of course ate the cookies, because of course he did. <laughs> Gets thrown through a window and breaks both of his legs. And even though makeup bags the artifact, it doesn't help Pete. And like we said, the colonel arrives and they realize that Pete needs to confess because that was the only difference between the colonel and the other victims was that the colonel confessed to them. We gassed the whole village. Killed them all in their sleep. Women. Children. Forgive me. We made him confess, right? Pete, listen to me. I think that you have to confess, okay? I think I'm just going to wait till the ambulance comes. You can't wait for the ambulance. Whatever it is, just trust me. Tell me, okay? I'm I'm your partner. So Pete tells his story about his drunken car accident, you know, when he walked away without a scratch, but his friend got thrown and broke both his legs. And that's when Pete said he hit rock bottom and finally quit drinking. Yeah, you know, I watched this twice and still didn't get a connection until just now when you just said it. Oh, why that happened to him? Yeah, because I couldn't figure out why he getting thrown out the window. I didn't pay that much attention to it, I guess, the first time I watched it. Yeah. But this morning, I'm like, oh. And then now you're confirming him going, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, because he's all of a sudden thrown out of a window. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, it is very likely you're also a fan of Eureka. And if you aren't, you should be. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. You know, all we heard about was physicals through this whole thing. You know, Pete's physical. Steve doesn't want to have the physical. Micah was going soon. Micah's physical didn't go very well at all. And I did know that she was going to get cancer. I knew that from the beginning. But for some reason, I thought it was next season. I didn't think it was this soon. Although, we're only three episodes away from next season, so I guess it's later than I thought anyway. But then, as soon as I saw this kid, Nick, I thought I remembered that there was more to his story than just being affected by an artifact. And then about halfway through, and I really don't know where it hit me, but it hit me who he was. And I do remember who he is, which is amazing. Okay, I don't. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you, because one of us has to come up with crazy theories. Although, the way I remember things in the show, I could be totally wrong, but I'm 99% positive I know who he is. And also, I think I maybe would have thought something was up anyway, if I didn't remember, because they just solved that way too quickly. But they solved a lot of things just way too... Well, I don't know. I was kind of like, really, again, how do you trust in this kid? And they're already actually giving the okay? Or does already know that there's a rabbit up his sleeve? That part I don't know. How are you bringing somebody in? Even though Steve has said to her, 
you know, you can tell one person. Are you telling this is the Claudia's one person? Well, see, I don't know if this is her one person because I, they're not going to bring him into the warehouse. I don't imagine. They're bringing him to stay at the bed and breakfast. There's a lot of people around, like Steve's ex-boyfriend. He knows sort of what they do, but he's not Steve's one. Right, he kind of guessed that. He kind of guessed Exactly. Sure. So I understand that part, and I understand that, but it's like, how do you trust? Like, I can understand Steve trusting his old boyfriend. I can understand that one. But a complete stranger, and I know the thing is, too, you're still talking a teenage boy. True. Right. If you know teenagers, then you've been homeless, supposedly homeless. You get into stuff because you don't know how long you're staying. And if I don't know how long you're staying, I don't know what you might take along the way. Yeah, all of that is true. I think their intention was he wasn't going to be part of the warehouse. They're just bringing him to stay at the bed and breakfast, which is totally separate. And he doesn't have to know anything about the warehouse. Well, we already know that it's a bad call. But even I'm just going, you can't leave your guard down. And I, I know I wouldn't even ask nobody to come to the bed and breakfast. You're right. And I understand exactly what you're saying. You're absolutely right. But I think in this case, Claudia bonded with him because he seemed like he was in the same situation as she was. Well, you have no reason to believe everything I say, but I did go through the system and I'm not a fan. I know it can suck. You were in foster care. Yeah. And I wasn't about to go looking for any more abusive father figures to smack me around, so I did my time on the streets instead. Yeah? Where? Minneapolis. Three months. Wouldn't recommend it in February. And even that was warmer than the psych ward. Look, I understand being locked up for talking about something unexplainable. I really do. We are the guys who explain the unexplainable. And you know how Claudia is. Claudia is not suspicious of many people. I don't know why. I know, but she doesn't seem to be anyway. I think Artie likes it that Claudia is trying to give it back. But I get exactly what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to say what I think is going on here. But no, it doesn't make sense. You just pick up some kid and bring him to the bed and breakfast, right? Yeah. What you're saying makes perfect sense. But the thing about them solving it, number one, they solved it so fast. Number two, Artie just walks up to this guy and says, give me the goggles. The guy doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. You know, and then we even had Artie turning his back to the guy, which usually means that somebody's going to run or attack somebody. And mm-hmm. the guy just stands there. So I was like, this is, was way too easy. Right. Like it was a setup. Yeah. Exactly. It was a setup. Yeah. It was way too easy. So and I so think. that was something too easy. It what it is. Right. And I think that even if I didn't remember who this kid is, I just think I would have thought that this was too easy anyway. Mm-hmm. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. But once again, Abigail proves her worth by figuring out some of what's going on. Yes. Mm -hmm. That a young brain has more brain power and somebody's hacking into his brain. 
Yeah. Why would a quant want to be tied to a boy who barely knows math? Wait, wait, you said that quants analyze a vast amount of data and apply them to numerical models, right? Yeah, all firms use them. Well, that would take a huge amount of mental capacity. You see, young brains are still developing, and so they're more flexible, and they have the ability to make more connections than adult brains. So you're saying that someone is using Nick's young brain power to help them do their work? Like a hacker borrowing a server. Not that I've ever done that. Random notes. Some funny stuff. None of these equations seem to be solving anything. For all T's not equal to S, what the hell? I hate having only one clue. Is he always like this? Usually grumpier. He's just distracted. And some other stuff. Number one, I thought Steve said he hated scones. <laughs> Remember that episode where they were upset, they were eating cereal, and nobody made breakfast, and Pete said... Don't you know how to make scones because, you know, Pete's being Pete. And Steve says, oh, I don't know how to cook and I don't like scones. Mm. It is uh, spectacularly nice of you, but you don't have to go to the trouble to bake us scones. Bake you scones? Oh, no, this is my breakfast. Yeah, they're from that cute little bakery over on 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, whenever Pete talks about that place, he gets a little drool right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but if somebody wanted to do the dishes, I would consider sharing one of my scones. Ooh, uh, Did somebody but, say scones? Actually, you don't have time for breakfast because you and Steve, you've got a ping of your own. But he does cook. And that's my second thing, is that Liam, when he was telling all his truths about he doesn't look good in skinny jeans, his tea smells like cat pee, he says, the only thing you can cook is lasagna, and even that's not really good. Well, he was cooking something. He was cooking lasagna. So oh, well, he, they didn't taste it. They said it smelled good. Right. Janice Malloy. Thank you, Gladys Kravitz. The one who had the salt mask. She was Libby on Lost. And her storyline was the only one I was interested in, and they didn't give, they didn't finish it. I wonder why she looks familiar. What was this? She was one of the tail section people, so she didn't come in until the second season. As the episodes went on, we saw that she was in the institution with Hurley, except Hurley didn't remember her, but she remembered him. Oh, okay. And they never explained that. And she was the one who gave Desmond her boat to go on the race that brought him to the islands. Oh, okay. And I had so many theories about her, and none of them got explained at the end. Ross was going good there for a minute, and then it was like... I, I know a lot of people didn't like the end. I love the end. I thought it was the best. I'll watch that last episode a million times. I love that episode. I know I a lot of... I remember the last episode. I just think at one point I just stopped. But I know a lot of people don't like it, but I love it. It was fine with me. She was in the last episode, too, but... Her story never got told, and I wanted uh, to know that story. Kind of like the dome. Yes. <laughs> Leaving you hanging. <sighs> Shut up! That's what you've been using to hurt people, isn't it? Over what, Janice? What? A boss? No, it's my husband. He built Paradise. Get back! Our whole marriage is about this place. Don't do it. Naming the streets after a favorite bird. She loved Crown Nights. He, he gave his life to him and they, they want to wipe him. They want to wipe him out. Every time I hear about Sodom and Gomorrah, it makes me think of being a kid. And where Kim and I grew up, there's this place that was actually pretty popular around the country. And people would travel to come and see it. It's a, a religious attraction. So we went there often when I was a kid. And even though it's a religious place, and me not being religious, that's not to say my parents weren't, but I'm not. 
it was still pretty cool. And I still, to this day, think it was pretty cool. Yeah. Especially since, um, I believe, one guy did all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I could be remembering it weirdly because I was a kid. There was one thing that always made me laugh when I went there. And it's where you get to Lot's wife and the Pillars of Salt. Oh, okay. And I'm saying Pillars of Salt with air quotes because they were just two piles of cement. And that used to make me laugh. <laughs> I mean, when I went looking for a picture for the website for this episode, yeah. I saw pictures of Lot's wife. And they don't look like people. But still, they were... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they were a little more intricate than these two blobs of cement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he tried. He and the rest of it is so cool. I don't yeah. know why I always remember that. And it still makes me laugh. And anytime somebody mentions Sodom and Gomorrah or Pillars That's of That's all you can Salt, think of it. I, I think of that. And I could be remembering it wrong because it was so long mm. ago, but I still laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> They got a tour going, I think, sometime too soon. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Did they fix it all up? I don't, all I saw was um, there's supposed to be um, a walkthrough. But did they repair everything? Because it, it's been vandalized for years. At one point, they were supposed to. Then it got vandalized again. So, so I know there's supposed to be like a walk going through. I think it was with the museum, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah, but I know I just recently seen it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's cool, but I'm not paying to be a member, and I'm not paying no money when I could basically walk it for free. I think even when I was a teenager, and it wasn't even open then because it had been vandalized so many times back in the 70s, I remember going there. You can get in. Yeah, me too, yeah. But it mm-hmm. was kind of a mess. Although it was still pretty cool, what was left. So Yeah. I got to say, it was it was a pretty cool place, even if you're not religious. Yeah. So I don't really have anything else. I just got fixated on the Sodom and Gomorrah part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was a good episode. It really was. I enjoyed it because I was going, is this an ABC plot? <laughs> yeah. So I kept on saying, I said, we got a lot going on. But yeah. in a way, it wasn't a lot going on. So the stories were kind of, they were simple. Not as, you know, out of the ordinary, it was simple. Because it was basically stayed in their community where they didn't really have to go anywhere else, technically. Right. You know, Artie and them was just kind of quick, you know, figure it out. And besides Steve and the goo and him and Abigail talking, which you needed to, you know, say some things anyways. It was it was a good episode. So I did enjoy it and I didn't mind watching it twice, even though I still miss some stuff. But I didn't mind watching it twice. <laughs> no, I didn't mind watching it twice either. And mm-hmm. it seems like when we have a whole bunch of stuff going on, it always seems to me I have less to talk about for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess because there's nothing to figure out. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I like this one. All right. We'll be back next week for episode 18. I was, I was young and I was, I was cocky. I was stupid, Mike. And I was, and I was, oh, I was drunk, man. I, I was drunk. I got behind the wheel. I was such an idiot. I don't know why. I lost control of the car. I hit a tree, but I walked away. I, I walked away, not, not a damn scratch. But my buddy Dave, he, he, got, he got thrown from the car. He broke both his legs, and I did that. I'm responsible for that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, that was rock bottom for me. 
Hey, this is Doug Gramley reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the 13th warehouse on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse on Instagram at Eureka underscore warehouse on our website at the 13th warehouse.com or on Podbean. The music for the 13th warehouse reflections in the mirror provided by Esther Garcia under their standard license. See you next time in the 13th warehouse. And now we're also available on Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.